0: Our relationship with with the Mashiach, with the Messiah, is likened in Scripture to a marriage. Yeshua is called our our husband. And we are his bride. In some cultures, marriages are a setup. Where it's pre- Arranged, an arranged marriage, our marriage to our husband, our heavenly husband, Yeshua, is mutual. How many people here are are in an arranged marriage? How many here who are married? It was a mutual decision. See, you may think that you accepted the Messiah, and you did. You accepted him. You accepted him into your heart. But it says in Scripture that he accepts you. And you may have chosen him using your free will that I gave you. He gave us that free will. We see it very much in Torah. Choose. Choose life. I bring before you blessing. I bring before you curse. I bring before you life. I bring before you death. Choose life. So we have the choice. And those of you here, and I don't know everybody here, who have chosen to accept Yeshua, the Messiah, as you're covering, as the sacrifices, the atonement to make you be right with God. You've made that choice. And that's a good choice to make. It's the best choice to make. But somewhere it says in scripture that he chose you. We see that when Yeshua chose his disciples. When we see Yeshua the Messiah walking around Israel. He went to his disciples. He went to one person and he said, follow me. Follow me. It was just that easy. Follow me. Just know, heavenly, in heaven, he did that with you also. It's personal. See, when it's when a husband and a wife choose each other, or a future husband and a wife. See, it ain't no arranged marriage. It's mutual. You chose him. He chose you. And don't ever forget that, Mike. That he chose you specifically. That there was a call from heaven to Mike, to Paula, to Stephen, to Jude, that said, Follow me. Follow me. It's like a healthy marriage. See, it's not a setup, but I'll tell you one thing it's a setup. You've been set up. It's not a set up like an arranged marriage, but I'll tell you, you've been set up. Because in any marriage, and anybody here that's in a, a good marriage knows that the concept of the two becoming one flesh can be painful. Because we enter into marriage, and we enter even into our relationship with Messiah, we enter into marriage as an individual, with individuality, with ego, with our own view of our life, our own view of the world, our own view of things. And then we get married, and sometimes there's a little discord and a little contention. And it's okay, because God uses such things To break our individuality and to make the two become one. And I tell you right now that once you accept Messiah, you know, many people have accepted Messiah because you were suckered into it by some evangelist that told you that life's going to be all better once you accept the Lord. I can tell you that once you accept the Lord, sometimes things can get a whole lot more difficult. And the evangelist kept that from you. If you still have a relationship with that evangelist that first spoke to you about Yeshua, you better go back to that person. And you better say, I got some words for you, brother or sister, because you didn't tell me the whole truth. You told me that I'll, I'll just be all right and everything is good. You told me about the end game. You told me about heaven. You told me about the future redemption. You told me that the escape from hell. You didn't tell me that he's going to break me because the two become one and then he's going to break me so I be molded into him. So I become one flesh with him. You didn't tell me that, Mr. or Mrs. Evangelist. But we can't avoid it. We can't avoid it. There's a breaking and a reforming and a shaping and a twisting and a gnarling that happens once the Lord gets his grips on you. And ultimately it's good. Because he has seen something in you since before the foundations of the world that you don't see in yourself And he is crafting you into that image. And we just have to submit to it. We can fight it. But if you're in that marriage with Yeshua, you ain't going to win that battle. He's going to win it. And ultimately, it's going to be for your good and for the kingdom's good. And to craft you into his image, that's what it means that you become one flesh with him. Glory to glory into his image. You know, I think it was uh, Tevia in Fiddler on the Roof that said, I know we're the chosen people, but can't you once in a while choose somebody else? Sometimes there's a cost to be chosen, there's a cost. You're being crafted into somebody that you don't come in as. You're you're being crafted into a new creation. A new creation. Yeshua didn't buy you as a bride with the price of his life for you to just stay the same. He bought you with a price to twist you and break you and shape you and form you into his image. In this Torah portion, latcha, I once said there's a whole latka in beholacha. but I won't say that again. <laughs> it's a tough one. I'm not even sure if I'm saying it right. There's a passage that might be a little bit familiar to us here because in this congregation we have Levites. Now many churches have people that serve and congregations have people that serve. And I don't know if many churches have particular names for the people that serve in the congregation. But here they're called Levites. And for those who know that Mishkan, our name, means the tabernacle. It's kind of a no-duh that the people that serve here are the Levites. And when they're called to be Levites, and when they accept the role of being a Levite, they're brought up, and they go through an uh, an ordination ceremony, the ones that work here. How many here are Levites? Got a couple of hands that are Levites. They've all come up here and have experienced an ordination service that we see in our Torah portion, Beholatcha. Come on, give it a shot. That was a mistake. So we go through a similar ordination, and it's very important to understand that it's an ordination to a service to the Lord. It's so much more than like, yeah, I'll do this, or I'll do this for the congregation. It's an ordination. It's an ordination. It's service to the Lord, which means that Eddie over there is not doing the video for the congregation. He's doing it for the Lord. It means that Veronica, when she brings forth the communion, she's not doing it for you or for the congregation. She's doing it for the Lord. And so it is with all the Levites. It's an ordination to the service for the Lord. And we see that in this Torah portion where the Levites are separated from the people of Israel. So we see in their ordination service that you shall separate the Levites from among the people, and the Levites shall be mine. They are wholly given to me from the people of Israel." They're chosen. They're chosen. We have a community of people, but the Levites are chosen very, very specifically to serve the Lord. And in that way, there are many similarities between you as ones who serve the Lord, Yeshua, and the Levites. Now, let me just take a step back. And let me explain who the Levites are, because some people get confused about this. It's pretty easy, but some people don't know. So I'm going to just explain it with a little PowerPoint graphics that I did myself. So that guy up there, purple, is Jacob. Yaakov Avinu. Jacob, our father, as in Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob. So that's Jacob. Jacob... Had twelve sons. Make sense so far. One of his sons is what's called in English or, or translated normally in English is Levi, like the genes. But it's really in Hebrew, it's Levi. 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 The accent is on the on the end. Levi. Got Levi or Levi. Actually, Levi or Levi is the third. Son, but just for a graphical presentation, I put him in the middle. So that yellow dude is Levi. Levi. All of his descendants and descendants afterwards are Levites. One of his descendants, a couple of generations down, is Aaron. Got it? Aaron is the high priest. So Aaron and all his descendants are priests. Capish? And the Levites, there are still more Levites. So do you see that the red are priests and the yellow are the Levites? So here's my question. Are all priests Levites? Are all Levites priests? Okay, is that... Totally clear in this, in this representation. Okay, excellent. So there's your little legend, right? So those are the Levites. And the Levites were called to serve the priest, bring the tribe of Levi forward and present them before Aaron the priest that they may serve him. You know, it says multiple times in the book of Hebrews that Yeshua is our high priest. So if the Levites serve the high priest and Yeshua is the high priest, in, the, in a way, aren't we all Levites? Do you see it? If he's the high priest, and the Levites serve the high priest, if they're the ones that are kind of doing the functions, and helping him out, the, the high priest is the one that brings the atonement. He's the one that brings the atonement. The Levites, help him out! So in that way, if you believe in Yeshua... You're like Yeshua's Levites. Do you understand that? You are like Yeshua's Levites. You are Yeshua's Levite. He's the high priest, and you're helping him out. You're helping bring the population to him. So it says that in the ordination ceremony that the Levites shall go serve in an attentive tent of meeting. When you have cleansed them, you have been cleansed by Yeshua, and offer them as a wave offering. You know what I think a wave offering is? There's so many different offerings in the scripture. You know what I think a wave offering is? This is just what I think. Because when you wave something, what are you doing? You're activating the wind. The Hebrew word for wind is ruach. Same word as wind. Spirit. The same word for spirit in Hebrew, is the same word for wind. And when you have, when you are a wave offering, you are activating the Spirit. That's why I think it's a wave offering. And you, as Yeshua's Levites, are a wave offering. Which activates the Holy Spirit, the Ruach. So what gave the Levites this special role? And when we look at the Levites, and different aspects of the Levites, we can learn a lot about our own walk with the Messiah, especially understanding that we are his Levites. He's the high priest and we are Yeshua's Levites. We are his helpers. We are his helpers. So why did the Levites get their function? Why wasn't it some other tribe? And the reason Is when you go back to the story of the golden calf. Are we familiar with the story of the golden calf? So Moses went up on the mountain. He took too long. It was actually Aaron who listened to the people. Who were begging for another god. So a golden calf was built. Everybody's worshipping the golden calf. Now God says to go back down. You know God could have told Moses to go back down the day before. But he didn't. But he... Tells Moses to go back down. The people are sinning. They are committing idolatry. And at one point, Moses says, who's with the Lord? Who's with the Lord? And it was the Levites who crossed that line. It was the Levites who went over to Moses' side and said, we're with you. And because they would not bow down to the idol of the time, they got that function. They were awarded the function of being the Levites, of being God's special possession. I tell you that you, as Yeshua's Levites, you have a calling to not bow down because every generation has its own golden calf. Every generation has a golden calf. Every gen- This generation has one, previous generations has one, and only God knows what's coming up. But as Yeshua's Levite, you are commanded to not bow down, to cross that line and say, no, we won't worship that. We will only worship God. We will only worship God. We will not bow down to the gods of this world. We will only worship the God of Israel. We have that calling because we are Yeshua's Levites. And the Levites cross the line and don't bow down. Does that make sense? So what else about the Levites? So that is not a paper hat. That is a tent. That's the tabernacle. That's the Mishkan. If you're willing to receive it. (laughs) So you know, in the wilderness, all the people of Israel, all the Israelites, they were camped around the tabernacle. Do we know that? All the people of Israel were camped around the tabernacle. But did you know that the Levites were closer to the tabernacle than the people? This means your relationship with God. You have the relationship with God. There is a called out function that belongs to you. You have been called out. You know, the interesting thing about the Levitical ordination that you've seen here and we read in this in this Torah portion numbers eight they're actually within the community and they have to come out of the community they are called out people you are called out people you're in the population but you're not you're this covert operator CIA special agent for Yeshua and you have special access that people don't don't believe the lie that like all religions are the same and all roads lead to god you have the access you have it we see that with the way the levites are configured because in the tabernacles where god is that's his home who's closest the levites you as yeshua's levites are closer don't ever believe that you're not You have access. And being close to the tabernacle, being closer to God, you emanate his light to the population. You are like the lampstand in the tabernacle that we read about that emanates that light. You have access and you emanate the glory of God. You emanate the light of God, and he puts you in proximity to him so you can can express the love of God to the population. There's a reason that the Levites are closer to the tabernacle than the people, so they can express the love of God that comes forth. And that's your role as Yeshua's Levites. You are Yeshua's Levites. You serve the high priest. Now, this one is kind of interesting. It says, from 30 years and upward to 50 years, everyone who can enter this work of service and the work of carrying the of meeting, I don't even know why I put this in the PowerPoint because I don't really have much revelation about it. And it's very confusing, because in this verse, it says that the Levites can serve from 30 years to 50 years, but in our current Torah portion, it says from 25 years to 50, and I don't know why. I looked in some of the Jewish liturgy, like the Talmud, and it says that, well, from 25 to 30, it was a learning, you know, they were kind of in training, and then from 30 on, they were actually to serve. But I find it interesting that most places do say the Levites serve at the age of 30, and I don't know, is that some way related to Yeshua's age? Maybe. I get ending at 50 because that's the 50 is jubilee, right? That's the year of release. So like you come out of, you know, you come out of your work at, in your jubilee. I, I get that aspect. But maybe there's a relationship with Yeshua that they start work at 30. I think in the plain sense, without spiritualizing it, in the plain sense, from ages 30 to 50, they're strong. And they had to do a lot of lifting and moving and things like that. And that's why it's the the, 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 the strongest ages of the of the person. But anyway, I find it interesting that started thirty, and is there is that a connection to Yeshua in his age? I find that interesting. We can move on. The Levites have no share or inheritance among their fellow Israelites. The Lord is their inheritance. The Lord is your inheritance. Now I want you to understand this: that when the nation of Israel was divvied up between all the tribes, the Levites didn't get nothing. They didn't get. Tr- they didn't get. Land. They didn't get an allotment of land. All the tribes, Judah got this, and Issachar got this, and Zebulun got this, and Simeon got this. Levi didn't get anything. They didn't get any of those lands. Why? Because they're in the world, but not of the world. This is where we first see that concept of your inheritance is not here. Your inheritance is in heaven. So Yeshua said of his people, he said, they are not of this world, just as I am not of this world, but I don't ask you to take them out of the world, but that you keep them from the evil one. This flies in the face of rapture, by the way, when Yeshua said, I'm not asking you, Father, to take them out of the world, but just to keep them from the evil one. But here we see they're not of the world, but they're in the world. This is the same of the Levites. They were part of the population, but they had no land here. They had no inheritance here. Peter wrote later, to obtain an inheritance which is imperishable, undefiled and will not fade away, reserved in heaven for you. In other words, your inheritance is in heaven. Your inheritance is not here. The Levites have no inheritance, land inheritance here. This is the first application of this that we see. This is why it applies to you, because you are his Levites. You are Yeshua's Levites. I have taken the Levites instead of all the firstborn among the people. Originally, God's helpers were going to be the firstborn of everybody, just the firstborns. They were the special people, the firstborn. But the Levites, God later, it's like he changed his mind. He took the Levites instead of the firstborn. And when I see this, I see intercession. I see standing in the gap. And who's the firstborn? It's Israel. So when I read this, I see standing in the gap for Israel. That's your role as Yeshua's Levite. The Levites are commanded to praise. King David commanded the chiefs of the Levites, spoke to the chiefs of the Levites to appoint their relatives as singers with musical instruments, harps, lyres, cymbals, playing to raise sounds of joy. That's the Levites. That applies to Yeshua's Levites too. You are called to raise sounds of joy. This is in your allotment. This is in your portion. You are called to do it. And when you raise sounds of joy, it's not just singing for no purpose. It's not just singing like a tune on your car radio. There's power in your praise. You are ordained to praise. And don't ever forget that. You are ordained to praise. Do we know the story of um, Jehoshaphat when he was asking God for help, and then a prophet came to him and said, you don't need to fight this battle. Stand still and see the salvation of the Lord. And he had the singers sing. And as the singers were singing, the enemies that he was afraid of started fighting themselves. They didn't need to lift a finger. They didn't need to lift a weapon. Their weapon was their melody. As the song says. My weapon is a melody. Who were those people that sang? They were the Levites. They were the Levites that sang. Because that is your function as Yeshua's Levites. To sing praise. And when you sing your praise, walls come down. When you sing your praise, battles win. And don't forget that. That is your weapon. The weapons of our warfare are not carnal, but mighty in power for the pulling down of strongholds. You, as Yeshua's Levites, you better learn to sing. I don't care if you got a bad voice. I don't care if you can't keep a tune. I don't care if everybody around you is holding their ears. You better learn to sing. In your battles, because that is what what you are called to do as Yeshua's Levites. And there's power in that. And don't forget it. You have been ordained as singers, as praisers to raise shouts of joy. And don't forget that. That is what you are ordained to do when he called you out and assigned you as his special helpers, Yeshua's special helpers, as Levites. And finally... I want to end with this. The Torah is an amazing book. Now, the Torah is not necessarily chronological. But if God elected to put a little narrative right next to another narrative, there's meaning in it. And all the rabbis even know that. And there's even some places in the Talmudic writings where the rabbis are wondering why. Just before the ornate ordination of the Levites, why did God put instruction on how, to build the tabern- on how to build the lampstand? And the answer is that just as the lampstand emanates the light of God to the people, that's what the Levites do. There's a connection. But we learn a little bit about the lampstand. I remember in the beginning I was talking about the breaking that happens when we are called and the twisting and the gnarling and the reforming and the reshaping. Now we read here of the lampstand. It was the workmanship of the lampstand, a hammered work of the Lord. From its base to its flowers, it was a hammered work according to the pattern that the Lord had shown Moses, so he made the lampstand. Is there anything here in this verse that stands out to you about how the Lampstand is made. It's a hammered work. Does this sound like your life? Does this sound like your walk of Messiah as he forms you? As he crafts you, the lampstand is made of gold. Oh, it's getting louder. The lampstand—is this annoying anyone? Good, because it's supposed to. Does anybody have like audio sensitivities where I should turn this off? Feel free to be. It's, you good? Okay. to accept the Lord. If everything's going to be good if you just need to accept Yeshua into your hearts. This is the part that is left out. You are gold, precious metal to God. But you're put into the fire and you're transformed and you're twisted and you're reshaped and you are reformed into the image, as it says, according to the pattern that the Lord has shown Moses, which means that this is what it takes, If you are experiencing this in your life, he's transforming you into that image, the pattern that it was shown on the mountain, he's transforming you into a heavenly image which he saw before the foundations of the world, if you are going through this in your life, if this sounds like what you're going through, it's for a purpose, it's for your reshaping and your reforming. To turn you into that lampstand. There's a scripture. We're not done. There's a scripture. in. (laughs) Somebody said we're done. (laughs) I think Paul made a command decision. That's enough of that. Oh, he's got the control. Can you turn it on again? You can keep it a little lower if you'd like. Thank you. In our Haftorah portion today. There's a narrative about the high priest Joshua. And the Lord says to Satan, this is from Zechariah, the Lord rebuke you, Satan. The Lord who has chosen Jerusalem rebuke you. Is this not a brand plucked from the fire? And it goes on, the angel said to those who were standing before him, remove the filthy garments before him, remove the filthy garments. Behold, I have taken your iniquity away, and I will clothe you with pure vestments. So, what's happening in here? This man Joshua, this high priest Joshua, was in the fire. He was in the fire. Anybody else feel like they're in the fire in their life? Anybody else feel the fire? Where do you think gold needs to soften? so it can be hammered into shape. That's why you're in the fire. But when the Lord is done, oh, we think we know a lot about demonic deliverance, don't we? We think we know a lot about the demonic deliverance. Who does the deliverance in this scripture? Some minister? Some pastor? The Lord said to Satan, the Lord rebuke you. Do you see it? Which means, let me repeat that. The Lord said to Satan, the Lord rebuke you, Satan. The Lord said to Satan, the Lord rebuke you, Satan. Which means that all the hammering that you've been going through was for a purpose. But once Adonai, the forger, the blacksmith, says that it's done, then it's done. And... He pulls you out of the fire and says, I rebuke you, Satan. He's a brand, the firebrand plucked from the fire, and he puts clean clothes on you and washes you up. And then we could say, This is the workmanship of the lampstand. This is the workmanship of the lampstand, a hammered work of gold. Are there any hammered works in this place today? Is there a hammered work in this place today? From its base to its flowers. That's how it says, from the top of your head to the soles of your feet. I think a hammer to our toes sounds pretty painful. From its base to its flowers. It's a hammered work, guys and gals. It's a hammered work. But guess what's in those flowers? It didn't look like that flower. It looked like a hunk of gold but now that the hammering is over it looks like a flower and guess what goes in that flower oil 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 his spirit his presence oil so to receive that it was a hammered work and be encouraged it's according to the pattern that the lord had shown moses so he made lampstand are there any lampstands in this place thank you father 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 Father. we know that as 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 being yeshua's levites we are called to be lights to the world lampstands to the world but we know adonai that just becoming that lampstand you chose us and we chose you and there's a cost, and there's some, there's a cost to being your chosen people. But, Father, we submit. We submit because you've seen that pattern before the foundations of the world. And, Father, if that's what you've seen, then we need to submit to it. So help us, Adonai, to submit to it, and help us to know that we are moving towards that pattern that you've seen since before the foundations of the world. The pattern on the mountain that was shown to Moses, which means it pre-existed, the pattern he's forming you into. So, Father, we give to you our feet, our base, and our flowers. (laughs) We give it all to you, Lord God. We give it all to you. Thank you, Father. Thank you, Father. If there's anyone here who's just going through that hammering, I just want to encourage you to just hang in there. If it's the Lord doing it, it's good. But hang in there. I know that life is painful. I know that the process is painful. Just hang in there. Just hang in there. It's part of the forming. It's part of your calling as a lampstand, as Yeshua's Levites. And Father, I lift up everyone here, Lord God, as they go through the forming and the shifting and the breaking and the reshaping. Father, I just pray that you are with them at every turn. You're with them at every moment of the whole thing, Father. Minister, 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 Lord God in this process, Father. Thank you, Lord. We love you. We love you. We submit to you. You chose us, and we chose you, and we wouldn't change a thing, Father. We wouldn't change it. We wouldn't change it. Thank you, Father. We love you. In the name of Yeshua, amen.